For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac. Hello, I'm Professor Elemental, and whenever I'm not riding a badger around my grounds or hitting my monkey butler with a stick, I'm listening to The Geek Show, and my God, I love it. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Suck It and See podcast of science and tech, The Geek Show, the flagship of the Geek Show podcast network. And as ever, I am one of your hosts, Rob, and I've been joined by newsreader Rob, or Prob, or just Rob. Hello. Depends on what day you catch him, yeah. Yes, hello. Uh, yeah, uh, well, today I am not Rob, because it's my turn to have a new name. Because uh, yeah, there's two Robs, that's why. If this is your first show, there's two Robs, it's confusing, so one of us takes a, a new identity for the hour. Yeah, uh, right. So, uh, today I am going to be Professor Oscar Anabarbus. Cool. You have to impress me after your bad run recently with yeah, these names. Right. You have to impress me. Professor, so today I'm going to be Professor Oscar Anabarbus. Uh, right. And I am a, uh, I am a mid forties healthcare professional, but my healthcare is a different type of healthcare. See, I get into all the spiritual side of things, but you know, and then I suggest you play golf a lot. It's golf therapy, man. <laughs> You see, you had one opportunity there, Rob. <laughs> That's just basically anybody, isn't it? Cool name, though. Dr. Oscar Enabarbus. Uh, yes. Golf therapy works. If you're middle-aged and have a lot of money, yeah, it does. <laughs> How do you think I became a professor? <laughs> or an eight-year-old prodigy. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, we've got, uh, we've got news. And the big news today, uh, there's big, big, big news today on the uh, MCU front. Hmm. Yeah, biggest news is uh, Sony and uh, Disney Marvel, the honeymoon period is over. The story here is um, they had to renegotiate their terms because Spider-Man is owned by Sony and MCU, obviously, is owned by Marvel Disney. Um, And shock, shock horror, it's Marvel who have been greedy. Well... Let's be fair. Um, The story here is that... Uh, they wanted 50% each because in the previous Spider-Man movies, uh, the amount of profit that Marvel got was only 5%. Well, I, I heard it was nothing. No, it was 5%. It was 5% profit for Marvel. All oh, right. Okay. And the rest went to uh, uh, Sony. Yeah, because they made like a billion, didn't it? Yeah, but the thing is, MCU, every movie they make is a million. Yeah, but... A billion. Uh, and and they're, they're like literally the biggest entertainment organization on the planet that nobody even comes remotely close to competing with them no 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 I, I agree with you the thing that the thing that kind of annoys annoys me a lot right Sony basically just owns the spider-man movie right yeah, yeah. Marvel uh, Marvel basically had all of the rights to all of the merchandising related to spider-man homecoming and spider-man far from home so all of the yeah. toys, all of the posters, all of the comics, everything like that. And that's a lot of money. Yeah, the thing is, I'm on Sony's side in this because they are not the Titan they used to be. No, they're not. 
I mean, when in it fact, comes to movies, I mean, most of the movie industry, it's been. I mean, the amount of money, let's say, the amount of money spent in like an average year at the cinema. What sort of percentage of that do you think heads towards Marvel? Like, of all the money they spent going to the cinema in a year, probably about a third. Yeah, I'd say about that too. So they're disproportionately bigger than everybody else. Yeah. Um, so I think Sony standing their ground saying we they need that money to sort of keep making stuff and stay sort of um, competitive in the industry. Whereas this is the, the sort of the we'll take arm um, um, getting from it. A lot of people are blaming Sony, and I don't believe that's fair. No, I don't believe that's fair as well. See, the problem you got right now is that you have a lot of uh, a lot of people who are upset because they like the Tom Holland version of Spider Man. And what they're afraid of is that there's going to be no third Spider-Man movie. Oh, they will. It what, just it won't be part of the MCU. No, there is actually going to be a third Spider-Man movie. There was actually going to be two more Spider-Man movies, including Tom Holland, but they basically reduced it down to just one. So there is a third MCU Spider-Man movie coming out, right? That's basically uh, that's all but confirmed at the moment. Uh, what Sony are probably going to do? is try and get Spider-Man versus Venom off the ground, and possibly even a Sinister Six movie. Uh, say what you will about the success or the failure of the Venom movie. I think the failure basically comes down to the fact that it had to become a superhero movie at the end. I think it was a much more interesting movie when it was just Venom and uh, Tom Hardy being best buds. Yeah. That was a great movie. I could have had two hours of that. See, that's the thing. Venom and Tom Hardy being best buds, that's basically Venom in the comics, right? That's it's basically, a bit darker. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. But that's that's what I mean. It's basically it's a lot darker in the comics, but that's essentially the relationship between uh, Eddie Brock and uh, and the symbiote, and I've forgotten the name, and Flash Thompson and the symbiote. Yeah, I mean the thing here is it's not great that this has happened, and Spider-Man is probably not going to be part of the MCU. I mean, it's fair, it's fair enough. They probably can renegotiate. It's not like a done deal. It's not yeah. once done, forever sealed. I, I mean, the idea that Spider-Man would ever be part of the MCU when he was held by the uh, Sony, once upon a time, that was that was just silly talk, wasn't it? Yeah, but I mean, uh, the interesting thing about uh, this whole scenario is that, uh, or this whole situation, is that Sony have basically said to Marvel... Give it, you know, make us a billion dollars and, you know, we'll sit down again at the table here. And Spider-Man Far From Home is easily on track to do that. Yeah. I mean, even if it isn't, here's just a play devil's advocate for a moment. If Sony own um, Spider-Man and all of its associated names and franchises and whatnot, yeah. is that really the worst thing? I know the movies, the MCU movies have been... Uh, built to have this idea of Tony Stark basically died so Spider-Man can live. Yeah. That's that's a shame that that can't come to fruition, but not every story and every comic and every movie always comes to fruition in future movies. But my point is, is it so bad that there's somebody else out there making superhero movies? No. Putting a little bit of competition out in the world? No, um, because uh, on the next episode of Four Panel, we're going to be talking about The Boys. Yes, that's that's a Garth Ennis comic, isn't it? Yeah, and it's uh, it's also very rude and crude. Yeah, if it's the if the comic is anything to go by, which probably that's also why it's very very good. Yeah, no, it comp- 
The thing about Marvel movies is, like them as I do, it wasn't for me until... I can't remember which one it was. It was in Phase 3, though, where they actually started making good movies. Before that, they were just sort of identikit movies. Well, it, I think it was uh, I think, I think it was a little bit before Phase 3. Yeah, it was the, uh, the second th- Captain America movie. That yeah. was like a spy movie. Yeah, that was that was about to say say that as well. Uh, it was the uh, it was Captain America: The Winter Soldier that basically changed the ball game with Marvel movies um, because that was that was literally just a spy thriller. It just so hmm. happened to involve a superhero like Captain America. My point is, more eyes doing the same thing and more people doing the same thing. It's good for the creativity. Of something, yeah. Um, the problem and that just and just because uh, Tom Holland Spider Man won't be a future thing, yeah. that doesn't mean Spider Man is gone. Yeah, but the problem you've got, the big problem you've got right now, is that uh, no, no, just that point because Spider Man is such a diverse franchise and there's so many diverse possibilities in that. Just because Tom Holland Spider Man is probably not going to happen, doesn't mean there's no other Spider Man that they could use. Yeah, but that's what well. I think there is. Uh, I think that does preclude. Sorry, what's that noise? I was getting a weird feedback thing. Um, I think that does preclude any other Spider-Man because I think owning the rights to Spider-Man means you own the rights to all associated characters. Uh, even so, the MCU is not the be-all and end-all. No, it's not. There are plenty of other decent films out there. I mean, let's just look at DC. Shazam was fun. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, Wonder Woman was great. DC are pulling themselves around. So to have more voices and more takes doing superhero movies, even though it's not ideal, and I would have preferred to see a third Spider-Man MCU movie or whatever they had planned. Sometimes when you're talking about big sort of egos in the boardroom and the amount of money that these movies make and the egos attached to them, sometimes you just got to make, the, make a hair while... Hang on, what's that figure speech? Make hay while the sun lasts, or something. Make hay while the sun's out. You mean? Yeah, that. Yeah, I, I get what you mean, but like I said, um, there are other alternatives to superhero movies. It doesn't have to be a superhero movie to basically uh, give you those explosions, that excitement, things like that. Take the Matrix, for example. Yeah. How is this our next story? Yeah. How apparently there's going to be a Matrix Four. Yep. Uh, starring uh, Carrie and Moss and Keanu Reeves. Yep. Keanu Reeves, who basically, spoiler for a over decade old movie, died in a very very thinly veiled Jesus parallel yep. for the sins of technology and stuff. <laughs> it's yep. not a very well written movie. Yeah. Um. So the idea that Keanu Reeves is returning is odd because he's dead in that in that saga. Yeah, he is. Um, and it's going to be directed by Lana Wachowski. Yeah, I mean, the Wachowskis, who since Matrix 1 have been basically in a rush to the bottom. Yeah, I'm a bit concerned about the fact that there's a Matrix 4. Um, yeah, I mean, the only other thing which has kind of got any sort of decent acclaim was Speed Racer, but that's... You're talking about some weirdos. <laughs> you're talking about uh, a movie that was based on a uh, on the on the translation of an anime series, a very bizarre anime series from like the nineteen sixties or seventies. Yeah, it's not. It's not the most complicated anime, is it? Speed Racer. No, we just have to. Well, actually, have you watched it? It's, te- it's headache-inducing, Rob. Yeah, that's my point. It's a lot more complicated than you think. Ah, uh, no, but it's complicated in the way that a lot of anime is. It's just 
no, what, convoluted. I, what, I, what I mean when I say it's com- more complicated than you think, I mean that it's it's still fairly simplistic because anime at that you know at that age wasn't very complicated. It's still fairly mm. simplistic. It's just more complicated than your average kids' cartoon, like or something like in the Night Garden. You keep on going back to that, don't you? Because you like in the Night Garden. I don't like it. It's just it was around when my niece was a little one. Um, but this is interesting. I don't know who is it. Were people clamoring for it? Because here's the thing: I've watched The Matrix back a few years ago, and it is not dated very well. No, no. Um, and it's it's like there's a Japanese uh, horror movie about the internet and how people were basically uh, uh, removing themselves from society and becoming sort of existing on a digital plane. It was called Pulse or Cairo. I think it was Cairo. Let's just call it Pulse. I get uh, no, no. I think Kira was Cairo. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Japanese stuff. Um, it was called Pulse, and you watch it back now, and it's basically like that one nutter on the bus that basically says, you know, really, really basic uh, conspiracy theories. Yeah, it's like the movie Cell. Uh, it was a Stephen. I don't know if it was Stephen King. It was just it was a horror movie anyway. Cell, in which its plot basically was people are all like zombies and the mobile phones as a movie. Yes, Which is. about 20 years ago would have been some sort of prescient comment, but now it's just kind of like, well, yeah, stupid. <laughs> and that's what The Matrix is like now. Yeah. Its its message is dated horribly, so... I mean, in, in the interim period since uh, the third Matrix movie, we've had Johnny Depp doing movies like Transcendence. Which is basically nonsense. Yeah. I will become the internet, and then I'll make it rain. I can propagate myself through clones because I have access to all things on the internet. Where are you going? That's not on Wikipedia. Do you know? Do you know I had a theory about you know the you know the whole bit where he makes it rain. You know, uh, it's just uh, Johnny Depp standing there with a the wad of cash going, "Make it rain." So there's, a, there's an article on WikiHow on how to make it rain, apparently, <laughs> <laughs> and he read it all. Yeah. God, a movie. Anyway, 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 moving on to more real-world issues. Now, forest fires are a big, big thing, right? Especially with Mm. climate change, heating up the planet, everything like that. And one of the countries that really gets affected badly by forest fires is Portugal. Yeah, Yes, it is. Yes. Now, Portugal have actually come up with a really innovative and pretty smart, I'd say, uh, method to try and prevent and prepare for wildfires, right? But they've run okay. into a bit of a problem with it. Now, the method that they've chosen involves what's known as firebreaks. Do you know what a firebreak is? No. Okay. A firebreak is where you go and clear an area of land of any vegetation so the fire can't spread over that area of land. Ah, I get it, yeah. Yeah. Now, in order to do this, the Portuguese government have decided to use goats. Goats or ghosts? Goats. Ah. Oh. Right. Go on, uh, lots, and, lots and lots of goats, but they've run into a particular problem, right? Now, the article I've got in front of me uh, says, uh, says that there's not enough shepherds, but no, there are plenty of shepherds. There aren't enough goat herds, right? Now, here's the thing. Um, if you look at the, uh, at the maths of it, uh, the Portuguese government program see what what normally happens when you try and fight a forest fire you use all sorts of chemicals you dump loads of water and stuff like that and that causes all sorts of, that can cause all sorts of long-term pollution or short-term pollution to a particular area which can prevent the regrowth of forestation the regrowth of plants stuff like that 
and if it's close to a water supply, you know, all these fire extinguishers that they use, all the water that they use, picks up all sorts of chemicals from the ground, flows into the water supply, becomes a bigger problem. So what people have tried to do is find a more green method of fire prevention, which is goats. Makes sense so far. Okay. Now, 40 to 50 goat herds and shepherds around the country, which combines to around 10,800 goats. That's a lot of goats. Yeah. And those goats can graze across about 6,700 acres in selected areas that are more vulnerable to fire, creating these natural fire breaks, which in the event of a forest fire, which is likely in Portugal, will actually help protect property and prevent deaths. Okay. It's a very in- it's a very smart way of going about it because goats basically eat anything, don't they? Yeah, but trying to direct them is like trying to direct cats or whatever, and they won't do what you tell them. Yeah, but I mean, you don't need to. You just take them to an area, say, "Eat, eat your fill," and then let them eat their fill, and then take them to a different area. Yeah, but this is when goats just start wandering off and then start climbing up the side of mountains and basically <laughs> shear faces. <laughs> There's no idea how goats do that. They're the most insane creature on this planet. I think uh, there was a photo I saw one time of a grandma trying to get a goat off a roof with a broomstick. I mean, how does a goat get up there? Does it jump? It's one of the mysteries of the animal kingdom, goats. I mean, you you wouldn't look at it. It's a fairly straightforward animal. Yeah. But the way they climb, what's going on there? I don't know. I don't know. That's anyway. what I mean, you know, you can't direct a goat because a goat is uncontrollable. Yep. It's a force of nature, literally and both metaphorically. Yep. And a thousand of them, ten thousand of them, however many thousand it was, try to direct them. You basically, whoa. It's an army of goats. You're basically asking for an apocalypse. <laughs> it's a goat. <laughs> it's a goat-ocalypse. It's like getting that many teenagers in the same place at the same time. You know you're going to have a mess on your hands afterwards. <laughs> And it's funnily enough that goats are also referred to as kids, so... <laughs> oh, well, uh, young goats, anyway. Uh, right, yes, anyway, yes. we're sticking with the animal kingdom uh, for uh, a new fossil that's been found in New Zealand, right? Now, this new discovery has added another entry to the list of comically large creatures, especially birds, that used to live on New Zealand. This, one, this time, it's a five-foot-tall penguin. Oh, yeah, so I listen to the news, yeah. It was like a giant penguin. I know there's the king penguin, yeah. emperor penguin, and stuff like this. But a five-foot-tall penguin is taller than my mum. <laughs> it's stocky, though, isn't it? It's not like a little, thin penguin. No, from no, the, no. The, the it's... mock-ups, it's a big, stocky fella. It is, it is. It's it's not the cute kind where you look at it and go, oh, it's the terrifying kind where you look at it and go, run! <laughs> It's not the sort where there was that movie a few years ago which had one of the sort of final hurrahs of Jim Carrey's career called Mr. Popper's Penguins. Yeah. Which we, he was a bad dad and he learned how to love his kids again through the adopting power, penguins. Through, it doesn't make any sense. The, see, The Exorcist did be a very different movie if the power of penguins compelled you. I'd watch it though. I don't know why you got the penguins into that <laughs> Exorcist thing. That makes no sense whatsoever, Rob. But it worked, wouldn't it? The, uh, you'd but have to. That, You'd have difficulty saying it. Just try saying the power of penguins compels you. The power of penguins compels you? Say it three times fast. The power of penguins compels you. He starts overacting very quickly in that movie. <laughs> exactly. Then he falls out the window and dies on the longest and tallest stairs in existence. Um, but yeah, uh, last week, researchers found, a fossil, uh, found fossil evidence of 
a parrot that was the size of a young child, right? Wow, in how 16, big is this? In 16 million year old rock. We're talking like, uh, like two, three feet. Yeah. That's a big penguin. That's a big parrot, sorry. Exactly. And, you know, some of the same researchers have now announced the finding of this penguin that could have grown over five feet tall and weighed over 150 pounds. Taller than my mum, weighs more than my mum. <laughs> this is really weird. It's kind of like cryptozoology in a way, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Because this, well, it's evolution. I mean, there's all these people who sort of think that, I know, like SOs just appeared out of nowhere, that they didn't evolve, and all these animals just appeared out of nowhere. Like, creationism is one of the stupidest things in the planet. I'm sorry if you believe in that, but it's also stupid. Um, and this sort of stuff, it's evidence of that in action, really, of how animals have evolved and they haven't evolved to we'll put it this way if all these animals were like we are they are once upon a time like five foot tall penguins four foot tall parrots or whatever uh, humans won't be the dominant species if all of these animals were like there were hundreds of millions of years ago we'd be basically living in caves still <laughs> and that sort of idea of science for me it's not quite as it, it, say in a five foot um Penguin is cool, but looking at it as sort of a historical and a cryptozoology sense, it's really, really fascinating, I think. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Um, right. We're going to, well, technically, we're moving away from animals, kind of including animals, but moving on to robots. Okay. It's not what you think. It's not what you think. We're not talking about bionic dogs or anything like that, okay? And I don't know what I'm thinking, honestly, brother. <laughs> See, this is all about YouTube, right? It's all about YouTube. See, YouTube have finally admitted that they messed up kind of badly when they started removing, uh, right, under their rules prohibiting animal cruelty videos, which I am all for, right? Just, yeah, it's right. It's the right thing to do. But under those rules, they accidentally started removing videos of robots fighting each other. Okay. Right, and... When I say robots fighting each other, I mean, like, BattleBots from America, Robot Wars from England, videos like that. Yeah, those algorithms probably thought Craig Charles was a monster. (laughs) I mean, it's... it's, I can kind of get how the algorithm would make that mistake. Yeah, but the thing is, those robots don't tend to look like animals. No, they don't. I mean, you're more likely to say, okay, these two boxes or this UFC fight that's on YouTube is animal cruelty, which I suppose kind of it is. But yeah, it is, yeah. that's more likely to get flagged up than a robot fight. Yeah, I mean, robots tend to... The, the robots that they use in these things are not advanced. They don't look like humans. They don't look like animals. They basically just look like big things on wheels. Yeah. It looks like a Hoover, like Hoover violence. A Roomba with a, a it's a Roomba with a saw blade, isn't it? Roomba on Hoover violence. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> There's our episode title. <laughs> I, I don't know what that one's called. Henry, Henry on Roomba. It's oh just... god, no, Henry on Roomba just sounds like porn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Sounds like a very exotic uh, cocktail as well, doesn't it? Yeah, Henry on Roomba on the rocks, please. <laughs> Oh. And, it, and it'd be pink, and it'll have like a little, uh, one of those little umbrellas in there. E. Oh. I've said it now, so it, <laughs> it exists somewhere. Yeah, someone's <laughs> going to make it now. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I don't see anything wrong with robot fights uh, and YouTube. I mean, the, the biggest thing about this story isn't the fact that YouTube made the mistake. It's the fact that YouTube actually admitted that they made the mistake. 
Yeah, that is... YouTube doesn't admit it makes mistakes, and it's made a lot of mistakes. Exactly. And the fact that they actually managed to get YouTube to admit that they made made a mistake, I think, is the biggest news. Yeah, that is interesting. But also, you know, what's wrong with robot violence? I mean, real this is, this is not like 20 years in the future where the robot overlords have finally come and we're having, like, uh, peace walks for robot kind. <laughs> you know, how robots go have... the streets of London, 100,000 robots on the streets Are of they London. they're going to have placards like, remember Razor? <laughs> yeah. Remember Henry Smash-a-Lot. Sakilalot <laughs> <laughs> was that... a monster. I'm assuming those are the names of robots because they're usually stupid names, aren't they? Well, it's because the robots half the time are made by some bloke in his garden shed. Yeah, and I love that about them. It's brilliant. Well, that was the best thing about Robot Wars. It wasn't any universities or or uh, te- engineering companies or anything like that. It was just some bloke in his garden shed. Yeah, with access to far more blades than probably he should have, really. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but he had a healthy outlet for all of that aggression, didn't he? Yes, he did. All of that pent-up British aggression that we have. <laughs> <laughs> and then they ruined it by having Dara O'Brien. Oh, God, yeah. Um, anyway, 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 sticking with robots. Now, walking and running. Did you ever want walking and running to be easier? Um, no. It's but I'm assuming be... there's something that's doing that. Yeah. Harvard University's Wiss Institute for Biologically Inspired Engineering. That's a hell of a title, isn't it? Um, the mm. University of Nebraska, Omaha, and the Chung Ang University in Seoul, South Korea, have collaborated on a piece of equipment um, that basically, well, how do I describe it? They're robotic shorts. <gasps> <laughs> I don't know how to process that. <laughs> it's basically, sh- you know, exosuits, yeah? Yes, yes. It's basically an exosuit, but shorts. They, they basically went, right, we're not bothered about the rest of the body. We're just going to do the shorts. <laughs> um, no. I, I, there's no way to process this because it's such a monumentally pointless decision. And why just have shoes? I think we've had, like, shoes that help you run better, but they were completely misguided. Yeah. Because it didn't have, like, a heel or something. Yep. Um, this, just shorts. Because that's going to cause an awful lot of stress on the knees and the ankles. Oh, uh, I mean, the, basically they're exoshorts. The, it's a device that's lightweight, fully portable, and mostly made of a flexible material, except for the battery in the motor unit. It works by using motors to pull cables to help that help extend the hips in a naturalistic and ideal, uh, ideally optimum way as we move our legs which should then reduce the amount of energy our bodies expend in order to move. This is just running for lazy people, though, isn't it? See, this is the thing... The point of running is it's exercise. You're supposed to use your muscle in a very specific way. Yeah, and you're supposed to carry your own body weight. It's not supposed to be supported by exoshorts. No, I mean... Those, like Neanderthals, who are basically hunted to existence by giant penguins... <laughs> will be laughing at us. I know. Oh, God. I'm just waiting for the Simpsons to have the eat my exo shots joke in there now. It's going to happen now that I've said it. Well, it, it. It's about at the level that they are right now. Yeah. Well, 30 seasons in or something. It's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. Every joke that possibly could be made, the Simpsons has done it. Yeah. But the exo shots, that's just stupid. There's so many better. Like, um, there's those things where they had uh, sort of cybernetic arms for people who have amputees. Yeah. And you, kids are getting them modelled after, like, Iron Man and stuff like that. Yeah, 
See, that is a great use of energy, and yeah. it's great for the kids' self-esteem. This, I want to run, but I can't be bothered running. So I'll get a pair of shots that help me run. Hang on. Do, do you think they heard that line, I've got soul, but I'm not a soldier, and miss, and thought, oh, how can I apply that to other things in the real world? Maybe, I want to, Rob. Maybe. I, 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 I want to run, but I'm not a runner. Hmm. Find another hobby, then. Maybe ride a bike. <laughs> it's interesting you said that. It's interesting you said that. <laughs> okay. Because while Google and Tesla and loads of others are working on self-driving cars, right? Oh, no, not a self-riding bike. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Um, a team of scientists at uh, Tsinghua University in Beijing have come up with a an autonomous bicycle that can basically drive itself, balance itself, and avoid obstacles uh, as it follows certain trajectories and obeys vocal, vocal commands. Now, the impressive thing about this, right, the impressive thing about this is that because uh, autonomous bicycles aren't unique, this one's very, very different though, uh, because it combines a uh, computer science-based machine learning and human brain-inspired networks, which basically they thought they could never combine, and this actually manages to do it in the form of uh, a new type of chip. Which you know, it, it, this is like if they basically manage to get this thing working properly and it, or, and it fulfills all the tests and stuff like that, could basically usher in all sorts of new possibilities. It's not very interesting, though, I mean, the way they framed it. I mean, what a new evolution of a new type of vehicle. I think that sort of technology would work better in. You see it a lot in sci-fi. It's sort of like a giant wheel, but it's been gyroscoped. So, so you actually sit inside the wheel and it operates like that. Yeah. I mean, because having having two wheels means that you fundamentally have to have an issue with balance. Yeah, and a machine can't fully do that because there's too many, way, 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 way too many variables. I mean, the weight, the age of the person, the, the fitness of the person, the type yeah. of the road, the bits See, of the road, corners. There's so many variables. But a gyroscope with that technology, I think, could be a future changer. Yeah, but this is the thing: um, all of those variables you're going to run into with exoshots as well. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Um, but at least with a bike it, 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 or some sort of mode of transport, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, there's some sort of logic to that. It's sort of betterment of people getting about. It's yeah. like those sort of self-motorized cars, which are heavily flawed. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, the researchers have written uh, that using just one chip, we can demonstrate the simultaneous processing of versatile algorithms and models in an unmanned bicycle system, realizing real-time object detection. Tracking, voice control, obstacle avoidance, and balance control. It's the buy part of it, as in the two wheels. Yeah. That's the worry. So, See, this is the thing. They can do that just using one chip. So imagine if they used four, five, six processes. Yeah, no, but it's still it's the balance issue, isn't it? Yeah. The balance issue could uh, can be solved, but this is the thing. Um, you could go the other way and add an extra wheel. In which or case, a tricycle. In, in which case it becomes a trike, doesn't it? Uh, and if you add another wheel on top on top of that, then it's a car. <laughs> yeah, I think going the other way, I think one wheel would be better. Well, how about like no a, wheels? Like a, like a gyroscope. I'd love to have that sort of vehicle. That'd be amazing. That's proper sci-fi thinking. No, no, proper sci-fi thinking is a flying bike, man. No, that's just stupid, Rob. I want a flying bike, goddammit. 
That's just the scene in E.T. gone badly wrong. No, not that sort of bicycle. I want a flying bike as in it basically looks like a motorbike, but it flies. Yeah, I disagree with you in that one. I think you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not an idiot. Do you know who's an idiot? You can be these great segues today. Who's an idiot? Um, well, the idiots would be... How do I describe them? The idiots would be the international team of scientists. Well, they're not exactly idiots because they are scientists, but I'm not sure who would want to drink this vodka, right? Hey, idiots can be scientists too. It's an open industry. Yep, right. This vodka is... Uh, it's, it's called Atomic, right? It's Atomic okay. Vodka, yeah? And it's made... It's the, world, it's the first consumer product in the world to have come out of the Chernobyl exclusion zone because it's made using grains that were grown on a farm in the Chernobyl exclusion zone. Nothing bad could possibly happen there, eh? Exactly. Yeah, just using the <laughs> crops from an area which had nuclear fallout and killed many people. I, bad could possibly happen there. They've said that uh, the distillation process removes, uh, the distillation process reportedly removes all impurities, so the atomic vodka was found to contain the same radioactive compound as any other spirit drink, which is natural carbon-14. Fine, fair enough. And they do make the statement, Professor Professor Jim Smith from the University of Portsmouth has said, this is no more radioactive than any other vodka, any chemist will tell you, when you distill something, impurities stay in the waste product, so we took... But there's there's, there's, there's the point. I mean... Why? That's my point. Why, exactly. why go to that place if there's nothing remarkable about it? It's just cheap marketing. Yeah, I mean, on uh, and cheap marketing off the back of people's deaths. Yeah, which is beyond cheap. Actually, I think it's kind of like it's evil. Really, I mean, this is one of those occasions where the scientists have basically said we can make it because we can, and yeah, that always ends well, doesn't it? It ended well once, um, but. Since we are at the end of the show, shall we end with? Uh, uh, shall we end with a number two? Oh, always it doesn't go well, but go on. Right. See, we are feel, and you've got to love the UK sometimes. Yeah, I mean, people always say, "Oh, Japan's so weird." Yeah, they are. But so is America, so is Europe, and so is the UK. We're yeah. all weird. It's just our own special type of weird. Yeah, and British weird. British weird will rival any weird in the world, any time, any place. We have a competition where we chase a wheel of cheese down a hill, so I think we're pretty special on the weird scale. Oh, this is better than that. Okay. This is so much better than that. This kind of highlights all of our weirdness. It encapsulates it all in in, in kind of one lump, right? Mm. We Are Feel is a UK-based supplement subscription company, right? They've been getting a lot of attention online recently because they have released a rather odd limited edition, um, limited edition multivitamin pill designed to make your toilet sparkle. Right. Well, that seems like innocent enough. Yeah. Now the vitamin itself contains eighteen different vitamins and minerals, including vitamin A, vitamin D three, folic acid, zinc, iron, and all sorts of other good stuff for your body that you can't absorb all at once. And it also, well, the tagline in the box says, feel better every day. Limited edition multivitamins with glitter. Oh, dear. (laughs) 
So when they said make your toilet sparkle, they meant it quite literally. I thought you meant like make it clean. <laughs> you know how companies who sell clean products, uh, it sparkles and it shines. You can't get it this way otherwise. That's what I thought you meant. <laughs> I told you it was. Uh, it encapsulated all the British weirdness in one big lump. <laughs> You're not wrong there. But why? <laughs> Who wants their toilet? Glitter is the enemy. Glitter is terrible. Glitter is gets everywhere. Quite literally. <laughs> I mean, I don't want it out. I don't want that happening. <laughs> Can you imagine if you'd taken one of these and didn't think about it? And then you, what's yeah. going on? I had to see a doctor. <laughs> I'm dying. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't know you were taking these and you went in the toilet and. You stand up and there's still some left. There's just glitter everywhere. You would think you were dying. You would think there was something seriously wrong with you. It's like some sort of really, really perverse anti-David Cronenberg movie where you're not turning into some sort of fleshy hell monster. You're turning into a Barbie. <laughs> uh, it's, the thing is, it, 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 it's just it's got everything, this, hasn't it? I mean, there's so many confusion, confusing things for this. I mean, your family could say, take this vitamin, loads of stuff in it that's good for you. And then you have that incident where you go to the toilet and it's just loads of glitter everywhere. <laughs> You'd be so scared. I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh because I know you're being serious and I, I agree with you completely. It's just, just, <laughs> who came up with this? It's like if you have hard gas, at least it'd save those situations, wouldn't it? Oh my God, can you imagine if you took one of these and you were scared of... Uh, what happens if you... It, does it come out when you fart? No, that's, that's what I mean. When If you had hard gas, you wouldn't need brown trousers. It'd just be like, get there. So it saved those situations. <laughs> Glitter pants. Yeah. Oh. Just rediscover disco and you're fine. You can have the loose <laughs> bottles all you want. Oh. Which changes glitter. It changes disco quite heavily, I think. <laughs> yes, it does. I mean, these supplements cost £11.95, £11.95 for 30 capsules. Hmm. And according to We Are Field, glitter, while edible, is not fully digested by the human stomach, so you can expect it all to end up in the toilet. Oh, so yeah. <sighs> yeah, a toilet's going to look like Ground Zero or like a My Little Pony factory or something. Oh, God, can you imagine drinking the atomic vodka and then after you've eaten one of these? Oh, dear. They look like Baz Luhrmann remade Fred's. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a horrible thought. <laughs> That's a horrible thought, man. Oh. oh. Yeah. It is, isn't it? Let's leave the show on that one, I yeah. think. Right. Take us out, Rob. <laughs> How can you take out after that? Well, you have to anyway. Anyway, if you liked uh, this week's show, and why wouldn't you, with ideas like Baz Luhrmann's Fred's, amongst other things, uh, there's numerous ways you can support us. If you head over to your podcast provider iTunes or whatever it may be there's many options out there and do give us a rating or a review it helps us be discovered and discovery is is the best way you can help the show really the other ways there's Patreon you can head over to www.patreon.com forward slash the geek show and send some money over there when we have a decent amount of when we have a lot of followers on Patreon we are looking to put out some unique and exclusive content but that's a future plan that'll happen 
when the future happens, which is now. I'm talking in the future. Future never comes. I'm talking nonsense. Anyway, uh, also on Facebook and Twitter, just search for The Geek Show and look for our logo and you can follow us there. But in the meantime, and the next time we are doing one of these episodes of The Geek Show, I have been Rob. And I've been Professor Oscar Enabarbus. Yes, he has. Thanks for listening. It's the show that RoboCop deplores, because we're good after three sequels. Bye-bye. For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac.